0: That music's a little too cool for me, I think. Um, Good morning. Uh, Today in our Resolute series, we're talking about something, uh, about a term actually that gets thrown around a lot in churches, uh, including here at Triumph, and that something or that term is discipleship. Now, probably uh, the most famous place in the Bible that talks about discipleship or making disciples is in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, verses 18 to 20. It's a part of the Bible that we call the Great Commission, and uh, something that uh, we we don't always talk about is uh, it's the last thing that Jesus tells his followers before he ascended into heaven. And so basically, I mean, these are the last words of Jesus, or uh, another way to think about it, kind of like the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. So let's listen to uh, what Jesus says. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's word. All right, so um, the last words of Jesus, the last will and testament, Jesus' great commission is a call to us as his people to make disciples. So, I mean, first of all, what are disciples? Well, maybe the most basic definition is to say that a a, a disciple is a learner. A, A disciple is someone who is learning to live their life by the teaching of another person, okay? So in our case, that other person is Jesus. And so here's a definition that I like for us. A disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. A disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus, And Jesus calls his followers to this mission. Uh, It's the mission of the church to make disciples, to be uh, a disciple-making church, to be a church made up of people who learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. And Jesus says, go and do that. Uh, But uh, when he says go, uh, when Jesus says, go, therefore, make disciples, the word go in the original language is a a little bit wonky for us English speakers. Because if you're going to translate it literally, it actually says something like, as you're going, therefore, as you're going, make disciples of all nations. Now, the idea is that as you're going through your regular everyday life, okay? Make disciples. So this whole disciple-making mission is meant to be something that is just woven into the fabric of our lives. As you're going to school, make disciples. As you're going to work, make disciples. As you're driving your kids to school, make disciples. As you're taking a walk through your neighborhood, as you're visiting your uncle in the nursing home, as you're out at a restaurant with friends, as you're sitting at the basketball game, make disciples. Make disciples. As you're going, make disciples. Jesus says, making disciples is intended to be a part of our normal, real, everyday life. So, this means then, for one thing, that making disciples happens in in all kinds of places. I mean, of course, it happens here in our auditorium where God's word is sung and prayed and read and preached and received through communion and baptism. But it also happens in coffee shops, and in uh, living rooms, and classrooms, assembly lines. Uh, it happens in backyard patios. It happens in all kinds of places, vir- virtually anywhere. And Jesus says, though, that he, he also says that, that making disciples isn't only for all places, it's for all peoples, everybody. He says that making disciples is literally for all people groups all nations all people everywhere and so that means you and me and the people we live with and people in our neighborhood and people at work people at school people at the gym people at daycare it, mean, it means all the people that you are with that you're interacting with that you're sharing oxygen with in your normal real everyday life so how how, how do you do it though How do you do it then? How do you make disciples? Well, Jesus said that you make disciples by baptizing and teaching. You make disciples, he said, as, as you're going through your everyday life, make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is fundamentally what making disciples looks like baptizing and teaching. So let's unpack that for just a second here. For one thing, making disciples means evangelizing, okay? That's part of the, the, the baptism part, okay? It, it means sharing our lives with people who, who don't yet believe in Jesus and praying for them and living out our faith in front of them and... And then when God gives us the chance, it means sharing the, the gospel message with them, the, the message about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And when people believe, when they come to faith in Jesus, these new believers are then brought to the Lord in baptism. But it doesn't stop there, because making disciples is more than evangelizing. It also means teaching, teaching helping people grow in their faith, teaching them to grow more and more mature in their faith in Jesus through reading the Bible, learning to study the Bible, and learning how to pray, and being trained, going to conferences, reading books, discussing Jesus with people. Helping people grow in their faith means getting involved. It, 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 it means first that, that you're someone who's actively Learning for Jesus to live like Jesus. And then it means getting involved in the the life of others and and actively helping them to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus. And it also means teaching other believers then to go and make disciples like you are. Okay? And this is a very important thing here, that that this disciple-making that we're talking about is a group project. Making disciples isn't a personal thing I mean there's no such thing as Lone Ranger disciple making And it isn't for just a few Religious professionals either Like pastors or elders or whatever No, making disciples is a whole church Kind of thing Because when Jesus says Go or as you're going make disciples The word go there Is actually plural It's not singular It's plural So uh, What Jesus is literally saying here and and I can translate this for you because I spent some time living in the south is Jesus literally says y'all go make disciples that's literally what it says you all go make disciples or go together and make disciples as you're going together make disciples it's an everybody in the church kind of thing so making disciples happens when, when a community, when, when a family of believers are in it together. Going through their everyday lives together. Evangelizing, baptizing, teaching together. Helping people to grow in their faith together. Helping people learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus together. And then teaching them to make disciples too, together. That, that's what it means to make disciples so what does it look like then? I mean, how does all this making disciples actually work in our real everyday lives? I mean, like Jesus said, as we're going through our normal, real, everyday lives, what, what does it look like? Well, I, I think that there's the way that most Christians tend to think that this kind of disciple-making looks like, and then there's the way, I think, that Jesus says that disciple making looks like so we're gonna try to draw a distinction between these two ideas here and to do that i want to give you uh, an illustration or two illustrations actually um it's it's, it's more like uh, a, a hypothetical experiment okay so, but, but before we dive in here um if you don't mind raise your hand uh if you know who billy graham is Okay, good. If you don't, I'm pretty sure that your grandparents or your parents do, so you can ask them. Because I think that most people would say that Billy Graham was probably the most effective evangelist of the last generation. Some some people would even say since the Apostle Paul. I mean, he literally traveled around the world preaching uh, preaching the gospel to stadiums full of people. Okay, so now uh, for the sake of our little uh, hypothetical experiment here, let's just say then that that Billy Graham was able to preach to a stadium of 50,000 people every day, five days a week. And hypothetically, let's say that 10% of those people in the stadiums responded to his preaching by receiving Jesus Christ as their savior. So, that would be, then, 5,000 people a day. You do it over the course of a five-day week. 25,000 people every week professing a newfound faith in Jesus. I mean, at, at this incredible pace in one year, Billy Graham will have led one and a quarter million people into making a profession of faith in Jesus. And, I mean, that's stunning. That, 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 that's amazing, right? I think about this, then, that if you take this over the course of a 50-year ministry, and that would mean that over 62 million people would make a profession of faith in Christ. And I think we would probably all agree that this would, would be a pretty amazing ministry. I mean, it, it, it really would. And, and as staggering as these numbers are, here's the thing. As staggering as these numbers are, it still fails to live up to Jesus' mission to make disciples of all nations. Because, for one thing, the world's population is 7.9 billion people and growing. And so, I mean, even reaching 62 million people in 50 years, and who knows what the population would be in 50 years, but, but even reaching 62 million people, it's, it's, percentage-wise, it's just a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's, it's like less than 1%. <clears throat> And another thing, I mean, obviously we know that the world's population is spread out so unevenly throughout the world that it, it's not even going to be remotely possible to get everybody into a stadium to hear an evangelist. But most importantly, and, and, and this is a distinction that we want to pay special attention to here, most importantly, seeing people make a profession of faith in Christ during a crusade is not the same thing as making disciples, that is not the same thing as making disciples. And just, just, just to be clear here, I don't want you to get me wrong, I am not in any way ripping on Billy Graham's ministry. I mean, like I said, he might be the most influential evangelist since the Apostle Paul. So I'm definitely not saying anything against Billy Graham. But I do want to use him as an illustration for a particular approach to ministry or discipleship that that God has certainly blessed, which definitely contributes to fulfilling Jesus' mission to make disciples, but ultimately comes up short. Truth is that this method, as remarkable and spectacular as it is, won't make disciples of all nations, like Jesus said. All right, that's part one. Here's the second part of our uh, little hypothetical experiment here. So now, uh, instead of thinking of Billy Graham, let's just look hypothetically at a fictional person. We'll call her Jane Christian, all right? So our fictional Jane Christian lives right here in West Fargo. Uh, She's part of our church family here at Triumph. And Jane isn't uh, any kind of named leader in the church, she doesn't have any kind of official position or title, she doesn't lead a Bible study, she doesn't teach Sunday school, but she does have friends who aren't yet Christians, and she does pray for them, and she does spend time with them. Now, m- most people probably don't notice this, but Jane takes a real interest in people's lives. She's kind and warm and generous and hospitable. She has integrity. Basically, what Jane does is she shares her life with people outside the church, and she lives out a genuine faith in Jesus in front of them, and and. and and then as, as the love of Jesus sort of bubbles up and, and overflows from Jane's life, some people notice that. And when they do, those people are usually willing to listen to what Jane has to say. And when people are willing to listen to what Jane has to say, Jane tells them about Jesus. She tells them about what Jesus has done, about who Jesus is, about his life and his death and his resurrection. What she does is she tells them the gospel, the good news about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And she also tells them how Jesus has changed her life, how he's uh, like her best friend and and makes all, all the difference in her life. And she doesn't stop there because then she tells them, that they can trust in Jesus too. She invites them to trust in Jesus for themselves. And then she prays and prays and prays and prays and prays, and prays some more. And you know what? Sometimes those people do believe. Sometimes those people do believe. And, and then when that happens, when, when someone does come to a saving faith in Jesus, then Jane spends extra time with them. And she teaches them how to pray and, and, and how to read the Bible and how, how Jesus is the Lord of every part of their life. And, and Jane brings them to church so that they can worship and hear God's word and take communion and, and have fellowship with other believers. And, and, and you know what? She's standing right here next to them when they're baptized. Jane is making disciples. She is uh, helping helping people to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus. And then Jane teaches uh, teaches that person how to do what she's doing, how to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So let's assume then that, again, hypothetically, that Jane tells one person about her faith in Jesus once a week. And let's say then that after six months of doing that, Jane helps lead one person to trust in Jesus. We'll call him John. Now, remember, after six months, I <laughs> think Billy Graham's seen over half a million people trust in Christ. So, what we've got here is one person versus half a million. And I mean, there's no comparison. But here's the thing. Instead of only inviting John to receive Jesus Christ as his savior, remember, Jane is teaching John how he can make disciples. So during the next six months, now both Jane and John share their lives with people who aren't Christians and live out their faith and and share the good news about Jesus and and bring these folks to church and, and, and everything else. And after another six months, now God has used both Jane and John to each lead someone to believe in Jesus, and then uh, these newcomers become disciple makers too. So, if you're keeping track in our hypothetical experiment here, after a year, we've got we now we have four disciple makers here in West Fargo. But by this time you say, "Come on, Billy Graham's led over a million people to Christ, a million to four. there's no comparison yet. Because see there's something something special, something radical that's happening in Jane and John's small group. If these four disciples who are making disciples, who are making disciples if if, if they pass on what they know, if they keep growing in the same way, if they keep on doubling every six months, then after two years, there'll be eight disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. And then after three years, there'll be 32. And after four years, there'll be 128 disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. So at this rate, do you know how many people that they would reach in 17 years? Stretch it out, over 17 years, how many people do you think? Remember, after 17 years, Billy Graham, it's like over 21 million people. And that's, uh, I mean, that's impressive. And and it's asking a lot to expect Jane from West Fargo to compete with that. But in the same amount of time, Jane Christian from West Fargo, North Dakota, was led by the Lord to start a disciple-making movement that reached... Over 8.5 billion people. Billion. Just take a second to let that number sink in. In just 17 years, Jane Christian from West Fargo, North Dakota, was able to start a disciple making movement that reached 8.5 billion people. One person started a movement that literally made disciples of all nations, all peoples. And, and the difference between these strategies is I mean, it's math right? It's the difference between addition and multiplication. It's the difference between the way most Christians think that discipleship works, adding people to the church, and the way that Jesus is talking about how discipleship works, multiplying disciples, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, and so on, and so on, and so on. Okay, we're done being hypothetical. All right. Uh, Now, now I want to I want to talk for real. Um, And and, and honestly, the first thing I want to say is that I don't want you to get too caught up in these staggering numbers here. Don't want you to get caught up in the billions and and millions of people here. Even though it is true, I mean the, the numbers are accurate. That's that's how multiplication works. But the billions and millions aren't the number that I want you to think about. The number that I'd like you to focus on today is one. One. This is the number that really matters today. One. <clears throat> do you know how, uh, do, you, do you know how many people it takes to change a church? Do you know how many people it takes to change a whole community? for the kingdom of Jesus? You know how many people it takes to light a spark that ignites something like that? One. It takes one. I mean, look around the room and if one of you blessed saints sitting here today were making disciples who were making disciples, if one of you were learning to, uh, learning from Jesus to live like Jesus, if one of you shared your life with people, especially those who aren't yet believing in Jesus, if one of you genuinely living out your faith in front of your family and your friends for them to see, and if if one of you were praying and praying and praying for those people, and if one of you, when you had the chance, shared the good news about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus with them, and if it was the Lord's will, and if the time was right, if one of you led one of those people to trust in Jesus and be baptized, and then if you started teaching them and helping them to make disciples, uh, who are making disciples who are making disciples like you are, then one of you, blessed saints, would ignite a disciple-making movement that would turn this church and this Fargo-Moorhead community upside down. Check that, actually. Turn this church and this Fargo-Moorhead community right side up. And seriously, what if more than one of you did this? What, what, What if it was two of you? What if it was three of you? What if it was 45 of you? What if it was a hundred of you. I mean, who knows how far a movement like that might spread. And it feels big and scary and exciting and challenging and and all sorts of other things. But the best thing of all Uh, The best thing in in all of this here uh, is that if any of you did this, you wouldn't be doing it alone. Because Jesus has promised to be with you, even if no one else is. Jesus has promised to be with you every step of the way. Listen again to to verse 20 at the end of the, the commission here. Jesus said, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, In the original language here, Jesus literally says, I myself am with you all the days until the end of time. I myself am with you all the days to the very end of time. As long as this world lasts, Jesus is with you. And here's the really good news. Jesus is with you all the days till the end of time, whether you're making disciples who are making disciples or not. That's the promise here. Jesus is with you. And that, that is a gift, that Jesus is with you always and forever forever. And I, I, I mean that 's some of the very best news of all, but you know what else? This disciple making mission is also a gift It, it really is what, what a gift to sense jesus presence alongside you, making you know that he, that he loves you and you know that his powerful, loving presence is is with you. What a gift to be able to say you know what, even if all hell breaks loose around me, Jesus is with me, so it, it'll be okay. What a gift to see God at work in and around and through your life in real tangible ways, bringing people to faith and drawing people closer to him, seeing people become disciples, seeing people making disciples. What, what a gift to know that On this mission, Jesus is with you. It it, it truly is an amazing gift that God has has given us. It it is a gift to be invited to follow Jesus into our lost and hurting and dying world to proclaim the gospel. It's a gift. It, It is. It's a gift for us to get up and get out of our comfort zones, out of the ruts that we're in, It's a gift to make sacrifices, time and energy and and money and, and, and other things as we're going about our real everyday lives. It's a gift. It's a gift to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus. And it is a gift to be a disciple who is making disciples. Amen. Let's pray together.